Hi, and welcome to Good Change Conversations with myself, Christy Hunter, and Stina Smith. We're here to inspire everyday people to do good things. Good changes come in all shapes and sizes in the form of products, mindsets, routines, and more. Each episode, we're going to introduce you to small changes that will help you and the environment. We hope you take away at least one of these and change for the better. In the wise words of Elvis Presley, clean up your own backyard first and then the world's. Focus on the small changes. Don't try to do everything perfectly. Just little bits, one step at a time. Andrea Ford and Carolyn Masson are the founders of the organisation Ready for Learning, which supports early learning centres, schools and whānau, both nationally and internationally. The Ready for Learning framework was developed to help equip our young tamariki develop their foundation skills and prepare them for the structured school curriculum which lies ahead. Andrea and Carolyn are passionate educators. They're facilitators and coaches with strength in leadership development, collaborative inquiries, readiness for learning and clarity of teaching and learning. They carry a wealth of knowledge which I wish that I personally knew more about when my kids were moving from kindergarten to the schooling system. So welcome, Andrea and Carolyn, to the Good Change Conversations podcast. Thanks, nice to be yeah, here. Kia ora, it's a So this is a really interesting topic, I think, for a lot of parents out there. And uh, I just wanted to start off by just learning a little bit or getting you to tell us a little bit about what Ready for Learning actually is. Gosh, that's actually even just quite a complex thing because we have this conception, I guess, that children age five are ready for school, ready for learning. I've got my backpack. Let's go. But underneath that, there's lots of skills and dispositions that children actually need to access formal learning. And so Ready for Learning came about because we were incredibly passionate about educating teachers and whānau about what these dispositions and skills actually are. Had you noticed out there that there was a real need for it, like you had actually seen? We did. At the time, I was working for the University of Waikato, so working with a lot of schools around the North Island with leaders and talking to them about why they were implementing, say, a learning through play approach or different things in there. And they were all saying that tamariki were coming in with different skills. So whilst they might be coming in a lot more technologically savvy, and at the time I was working with Carolyn and she was teaching in a school in New Entrance and she was really noticing the difference. And that's what really started us on the journey to research, uh, well, what are those things that our tamariki need to be able to successfully access higher learning? And so why do you think, though, that earlier before we started the podcast, you were talking about back in the 1980s versus now, why do you think there's been this shift in tamariki and the way they're behaving? That's a really loaded question in actual fact. So going back to the research, back in the 80s in the US, there was a body of research and it was quite longitudinal. So there was quite a few thousand children involved in the survey and they tested things like fine motor, gross motor. So can they jump? Can they crawl? Can they skip? And so on. The data then was revisited just recently in the States And it was actually quite interesting because only one in 12 of nowadays children could actually complete the task. They were struggling. And that was quite interesting because you kind of think, well, what's changed from the 80s 
with children. And the one big indicator, of course, is technology and how we interact with technology. Again, coming back into Aotearoa, New Zealand, we have a very recent study that's available out there to access. And it's actually showing that one in four of our children are showing developmental delay at the age of four. So that, again, is quite startling evidence that perhaps technology is playing a part in impact how they maybe interact with technology. I also do wonder whether sometimes as parents we can be a little bit risk averse. I know in school we stopped climbing trees and things like this. That's actually had a huge impact on children's movement development. And as parents, we often do a lot of things for our children so to make things easier. And so when tying shoelaces, which is actually quite an important school for developing fine motor, crossing the midline, etc., we started buying Velcro shoes because it was easier for kids to put on and off. So there were lots of skills we just developed in everyday life have stopped because we've looked for ways to make things easier. One example of that is perhaps me as a mum back in the early 90s and my daughter would come into the, the supermarket with me and yes it did take longer it was frustrating at times but I would get her to fetch the milk to fetch the butter so I'd be gifting her vocabulary and language but fast forward to now you will often see children inside the trolley often on mum's phone and there's nothing saying wrong with that but it's just we're, we're in a hurry. We want to get things done quickly. You know, life is at a faster pace, but we're missing out on all those great opportunities to gift children our language and our vocabulary. At Good Change Store, we have designed beautiful and sustainable cloths for your home. They began as a vehicle to help lead social change. We are here to inspire and help people make small changes for a better world. Start with your kitchen and clean with prettier cloths that care about your bench as well as the environment. So you mentioned on your website, uh, all students learn best when teachers adopt an integrated approach to reading. What do you mean by this? When we talk about integrating, it's putting it all together. I think when we think of school, and obviously I've been guilty of this, so now we're doing writing, now we're doing spelling, oh, now we're going to learn the phonics, ah, is for Apple, ah, ah, ah. And what we're meaning by integrating is all the skills that sit around certain subjects. Children need to understand what rhyming is, how to break up a word into syllables. It's what we call phonological awareness. And they really need all those underpinning skills to be able to read, write, and spell. And sitting around that, it's incredibly complex because as humans, we were never designed to read or to write. We were actually designed to talk. And the part of our brain that we're using for reading and writing, so it's actually a hugely complex skill to teach literacy and, and all these different integrated approaches. So we've worked really hard in schools at educating. We talk a lot about automaticity, which frees the brain up for new learning. And I suppose, you know, it's not just about educating the teachers, and the children, it's about educating the parents as well, because it starts at such an early age. Absolutely. And also, I forgot to mention in there, some uh, just a quick plug for memory as well. Memory is when it comes to reading and writing. So there's your visual, so seeing things, remembering what order it is in. And then your auditory memory as well, which is when you hear something in a sequence and you repeat it back. So again, that's something that we need to integrate into our literacy learning. 
So you mentioned foundation skills that children need to have in place. You've covered a little bit of this. Can you just tell me what they are? Okay, so the foundation skills are moving, hearing, listening, speaking, seeing, the key competencies, which are you know things like managing self and those sorts yeah, of dispositions, like, yeah. I, I suppose, and and print. So those are the the main foundation skills. But under each of them, there are smaller skills, and so things like movement. The brain gives priority to movement. So if a, a child hasn't got core strength, and so sitting up at a chair, they're expected to do that. The brain's having to focus on sit up, sit up, sit up. The brain's having to focus on hold the pencil, and they're struggling with fine motor. That's another thing the brain's having to to just think about. The teacher gave them, and because we know that children at 4.9 years of age should be able to follow three instructions. So if the brain's having to, and the brain has cognitive overload, and it's part of the cognitive load theory, which is fascinating because you can see children who will actually just tire really easily or they'll just can't do it or get angsty. We find all of these other ways that stop them from learning and it's because of this cognitive overload. If it's the brain just has to think about it, then it's just too difficult for that learning. So movement's probably that really key foundation skill, I think. Good Change Eco-Cloths are fully compostable in your home garden after six to nine months of use. They are Linton streak free, have the absorbency of 15 paper towels, and most importantly, don't smell. Available from your local supermarket or online at www.goodchangestore.com. Help support good changes in New Zealand homes with Good Change Eco Cloths. And do you find that boys versus girls, is there a difference in the development of these foundation skills? Yes and no. Um, Obviously, being a new entrant teacher, I would notice girls would come in usually with greater oral language and vocabulary, whereas boys would be tending to be quite active and would want to climb trees. And they all come in differently. But generally, what we do know developmentally is boys are a little bit later when it comes to that, the two parts of the brains crossing over for learning which is around about age seven for that more formal learning. Um, so boys need a lot more movement and in their development. And technically, I would say that usually girls tend to be a little bit more um, adept with their oral language, but they may not be risk takers. It's not just, okay, you're five, here's your backpack, here's your pen, you're ready for learning your ABCs and one, two, mm. threes. It's so much more. Another thing that's, I suppose, that hearing listening is another really key foundation skill for, especially for reading and writing. And there's been a lot in the papers and magazines and on the newspapers about, you know, the new structured literacy, but the importance of actually starting with those foundation ones. So parents can be reading rhymes and jingles and singing. And so even hearing that it's a not a meh, you know, we used to go meh before for M. Um, but it's a mm, because an mm is one sound, whereas a m is two, m mm and a uh. Right. So it's all of those sorts of things mm. Um, mm. that we're really wanting whānau, I suppose, to be working with their kids, not learning the alphabet. In fact, great if they don't learn the alphabet before they go to school and they can read stories to them that have all flow and rhythm and things, that's just so much better. The research shows that reading for 20 minutes a day to your child will actually increase their vocabulary, literally millions of words. 1.5 million they're exposed to. Often as parents, the idea of reading 
to them. So as soon as their kids can start reading, a lot of thinking, oh, great, actually they can read now. And kids like to be independent to read. That's fantastic. You can read to them. You're gifting them more vocab. So by reading them harder books that they can't read themselves, that vocab development and oral language development is phenomenal. And that's what's really going to help them with Absolutely. Even in terms of comprehension, I was speaking to a mum recently and her daughter was reading adventure books and there was something about a facet of a diamond, a gem. And she said, what does that mean? So they had this conversation, looked at mum's ring. So she wouldn't have understood that had she not had that question for her mum. And she's 12. It's definitely about gifting knowledge and understanding and context around what they're reading. So I don't think there's an age on that. I think we should do it really from birth. So do you think, this is a big, massive, fat question, (laughs) (laughs) The, the New Zealand education system what changes would you make? Do you feel like that there's something different that could be done in terms of like rather than putting all those subjects in a box like you mentioned earlier? I do want to say that it's not just the education system. There's been a lot of like teacher banging quite a bit lately. Our education system's so bad. But if we look at the level that our kids, that the kids are coming through to schools, just because of our society, the way it is, that we need to start even even earlier. So many schools are having a learning through play context now, which is fantastic. Mm. And so they're really bringing through the, the lovely Tefariki, which is the early childhood curriculum. They're focusing on structured literacy, which is the whole bigger picture, not just learning to go kit at to is cat and being able to read and write it. It's bigger. It's still a lot of that vocab development is huge and the oral language. I think things are changing. It'll be interesting to see what things will change if there's a new government, actually. Yeah, because yeah. I saw a documentary yeah. on Finland, and I, I lived oh, in Finland for years. Yeah. I'm passionate about Finland. Yeah. They have the best education system yes. in the world. The two things that they said they do differently is that they start school at seven, seven, so they have a lot of free play right up until that time, and the second, you know, the CEO, but yeah. um, the second thing is they don't do homework. No. I'm just going to say John yeah. Hattie, probably about 15 years, oh no, 20, More when I was a principal that. at Manui, actually, mm-hmm. we got rid of homework. Yeah. Does not make any difference. No, and that's what I would love to see happen. You were talking about what changes we'd like to see. I would really love to see school changing expectations, I guess, when a child starts school and also a more seamless transition between the ages of maybe three to seven in terms of what learning looks like. What we've got to realize with Scandinavia, I guess, is it's a monoculture and their language is very straightforward and simple compared to our complex English language. I'd love to see a more seamless approach to learning from the ages of three to seven, and then introduce perhaps more formal learning and testing from age seven onwards. I do wonder what we test and why we test it when children hit school. The great thing, though, is with the curriculum refresh that's been going on for the last few years, looking at the literacy curriculum Mm -hmm. refresh, that's exactly the sort of stuff that they're looking at doing, which is great. Good change, bamboo reusable towels. The perfect alternative to a single-use paper towel or the blue synthetic rolls that stay on the planet forever. Use, wash and reuse up to 85 times then compost them in your home and send them back to nature. Available from your local supermarket or online at www.goodchangestore.com. Help support good changes in New Zealand homes with Good Change Bamboo Towels.
Mm. And does music come into this whole play as well? So again, going back to research, because we are researchers, music lights up much more of the brain than any other activity. And we don't even fully know why our brain engages with music. We really react beautifully with music. Um, and it's all about memory, listening. It's absolutely, it evokes memories. Um, children engage with music too. They love to move. They love to dance. They love to hear and listen. So music is, is really wonderful for the brain and for learning. Brilliant. So what are the three takeaways or what are three practical things that you could say to a a mum who's got little three-year-old, four-year-old kids to help them get their foundation skills? A couple of things for me to, to say to think about would be if you are not breastfeeding and you're bottle feeding, then please make sure that you do rotate, that you don't just fall into the habit of doing it all on one side because that's going to help with balance it's going to help with midlife midlife yeah, all sorts absolutely yeah yep. that's a big one talk 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 to your baby even if you're pregnant talking to them having music oh yeah but in actual fact developmentally they're actually working on their tummy muscles their neck muscles it's encouraging their eyes to look up and around them so developmentally it's really good to keep them on their tummies when they're supposed to be and not pop them into those exercisers so that they can look around I know it's a pain, but it's honestly developmentally much better for them. So that's what we talk about. The other thing I would encourage every fan and parent to do is just get out and play. Play with your children. Get them outside, outdoors, swinging, climbing, flying fox, in car trips. Get them off devices. Talk to them. I spy is interesting if they can't spell, so don't go there. But all sorts of fun games, cooking, baking, all the chores that you would normally do, cleaning. Just look at it all as as opportunities to gift them language and vocabulary that will really help them on their way developmentally. You know, those um, I Spy books and puzzles and things, they're also fantastic for that visual discrimination Mm. because whilst that really helps with later on when they start learning letters, because that needs to be so good. Because if you think of the letter P, P is rotated to be P, D, B, Q. In fact, they all look the same, don't they? And different, just rotated. So that's why that visual discrimination is hugely important. Um, And it's also for the foundations of maths, that visual discrimination and for patterning and sequencing. Mm. So it's not just in reading and writing, you know, it's it's Mm. that whole curricula. So loads and loads of those. I spy some puzzles. Mm. Puzzles are free from your local libraries. Yeah. I was just going to say puzzles, actually, because we tend to think, ah, puzzle, but it actually fosters and develops loads of foundation skills, especially visual memory, fine motor. You know, the children have a lot of fun placing them. Does it fit? Does it not fit? They're all things that help pre-reading and pre-writing, believe it or not. So the humble puzzle is something to rake back out and give a go. And it's a a double whammy if you actually sit there and do it with them because you're talking with them and questioning and and gifting them that vocabulary. Mm. Amazing. Hey, guys, thank you so much. This has been such an education for me, and I only wish that I knew all of this when I had small children. Um, I think I'm going to make a really great grandma because I had this whole Sort of. So thank you so much for coming along today. really appreciate your time and um, and your knowledge, your wealth of knowledge has been amazing. Oh, thank Thank you you. so much for having us. It's been a pleasure. Thank you for listening to our Good Change Conversations. 
We hope you are walking away feeling excited and inspired by those doing good things. Keep coming back. We have so much more we want to tell you.